Mom, I have something to tell you. I'm undead. Now, I know you may have some preconceived notions about the undead. I know you may not be comfortable with the idea of me being undead. But I'm here to tell you that undead are just like you and me. Well, okay. Possibly more like me than you. Hello and welcome to episode 368 of Under the Cull of MS. This is a comics and MS health episode and whatnot. Tuesday, normal Tuesday episode. And we have a bunch of comics to go through this week again. Been busy reading. Finally got our box of comics that we wanted on Saturday. But it didn't show up till yesterday. So, I'm going to catch up on some comics that we talked about on the Crimson Color Comic Club. And some other comics. And hope you'll enjoy one or two of them and might want to get them yourself. We're going to start out with All Guts, No Glory. This is number two of three. The way this story's going, I'm really surprised that it's only going into three issues. Because we're kind of in the middle of a story right now, which, yeah, it is the the middle issue. The penultimate issue. But I thought we'd get a little deeper with the game here. But this is still a really fun and enjoyable story. Something interesting. Different to look at. Unbeknownst to the general population, there are highly trained military teams who bravely protect us from dozens of species of monsters that we don't know exist. And then there are the guys who clean it all up. Craig and Jimmy are those guys. And while Craig has accepted his lot in life, Jimmy desperately wishes to one day become an an elite monster hunter himself. But when Craig and Jimmy stumble onto a charming vampire named Sarah, they'll be forced to decide if they should risk everything to help save her soul. In this issue, we get to see what the guys do trying to help Sarah out. What happens? We find out who turned Sarah into a vampire. And these guys are going to be spending some time searching this character down. Well, at the same time, we have the gang of enforcers, the killers, the hunters that the cleaner guys happen to attack in the first issue are still hunting them down. So you got to see where all those storylines are going to crisscross or end up or what's going to happen with all those characters throughout this storyline but it's definitely fun I just it's an enjoyable little it's nice because it's hopefully going to stick with the three issues like it says and then it makes it for a nice little enjoyable monster story with some different stuff in it and then 
we're going to talk about the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries, number 12 of 12, the final issue. We talked about it on the Crimson Color Comic Club this weekend, but I did not have my copy in time to read it and talk about it, so this one, the storyline is Too Many Crooks. It's written by Sholly Fish. I don't know who that is. Drawn by Dario Brazula and colored by Franco Riasco. Uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the first, very first Batman Scooby Doo team up. Team up. So I wonder if that's a, if they plan that out this way. So the final issue would match up with the 50th anniversary. That's pretty interesting. But we see the Scooby gang going to a fancy little soiree, <laughs> a fancy little uh, resort out in the middle of the woods, out in the middle of nowhere, it looks like. And I don't know why they, well, I guess the hotel did call them. But I don't know why the hotel called them. It's like when they walk up to the doors, everybody, a ton of people come running out of the building, all scared, worried. And our Scooby gang goes into a empty looking building that has some interesting little cor- corridors that... One's got a penguin and some icicles hanging off it. Uh, another doorway, a bunch of crows come flying out of it. Another doorway, some plant thing pops out and grabs some characters. Another one has some interesting muck monster, swamp monster type character in it. And it just... And they're trying to figure out why what scared why this these things are scaring the people, what they are, who they are, who they're gonna unmask or whatever. And while they do that, they go through a room and all of a sudden this room is just packed full of villains. And you pretty much got almost every villain you could ever think of from the Batman universe in some way, shape, or form in here. Including the Calendar Man and uh, the Zodiac Master, I guess his name is. I was thinking something else with the Zodiac. And you got the normal Banes, Penguin, Riddler, Joker, all those characters, Two Face. Yeah. Cyclotronic man, <laughs> just the Egyptian pharaoh and Zeus, the Zeus character, Enigma Code. I don't know, that's not that's the clue master. It's using the Enigma Code. I'm just trying to pull some names out of these book, this book, but yeah, there was a lot. The Mad Hatter. 
It's about every character you know and every character you don't know, including a character known Mr. Ascot. Makes a rare appearance in here. Uh, but yeah, it's fun watching the Scooby gang deal with this and they do some things that happen to catch the bat characters eyes and some of the bat boys come come into this event and we also get Catman back in here with Catwoman. Yeah, the crazy, crazy quilt character and Mr. Polka Dot. It's like uh, Man Bat. Kite Man has a very regular kite. I'm guessing back in the day that's how he was drawn. But nowadays he's at least got a a pop-out style kite. It just pops out of his suit instead of having all the strings hanging down and stuff. Uh, even Shaggy gets a little hand with the Condiment King. But yeah, uh, tons of bat characters, tons of bat enemies, goodies, the baddies, the all-aroundies, up-and-downies. We get a little bit of everything in this this issue. This is awesome. Great way to end the series. Not my favorite issue, though. Though I can't remember which one it was, but the one that I mentioned a while back still holds up as probably my favorite issue. Uh, but I really like this one. I like how they celebrate the 50th anniversary with basically bringing all the characters in, or at least the majority of the characters in that they've used throughout the years. So. By the way, that beginning saying kind of had a feeling. Oh, no, that wasn't the one. There was one that I was going to do that had talked about witches and vampires and stuff that kind of had this buffy feel. But it was a different, from a different movie or vampire type thing. Or yeah, here's the one I was going to use to open up was, by the way, my name's Rose Hathaway. I'm 17 years old, training to protect and kill vampires, in love with a completely unsuitable guy. And have a best friend whose weird magic could drive her crazy. Hey, no one said high school was easy. And that's from Rochelle, Rochelle Mead from Frostbite. But it's got a definite Buffy Willow feel as far as character-wise. So I wonder where they copied their shit from. <laughs> but next up is Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer number four. Of four, this is the final issue of the run, and we get to see the big battle going on. Uh, let's see, we do have a thing here. I lost my light again, so I gotta try and be able to see what I'm reading here. Uh, 
in an alternate universe in the not-so-distant future. The decay of the world and the rise of dark magic has dampened the effect of the sun on Earth. Vampires now walk the streets unimpeded by sunlight and have struck a tenuous treaty with the human race meaning vampires cannot harm humans and humans cannot harm vampires including the slayer buffy summers now stands as the only slayer left after the entire line was eradicated nearly 50 years after she was first called friendless and alone she wanders the streets of london in the shadows as the last vampire slayer. In here, we have the witches do working their spell. While they're working the spell, Buffy, Angel, and the gang are fighting off the vampires, trying to keep them away from the witches. And we get to learn a little bit more about Thessaly, uh, Willow and Tara's daughter. Get to see more about her powers. We get to learn a little bit more about Buffy. We get some sad moments. We get some happy moments. It's just, it's a, they did a good job laying this ending out the way they did. I like how it ended. I was really happy where the whole gang made it through without any major arguing. Uh, They got along as halfway decent throughout all this crap and all the stuff that was happening to them but it was enjoyable as i suggest i don't i don't believe you even need to have ever read buffy the vampire slayer before this as if you listen to the crimson color comic club you'll hear one of our members who was This is one of their first introductions to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And as far as reading the storylines. And she uh, gives a good depiction of it through her views. And how she felt after reading all this. And But yeah, it's a good jump on point for the new vampires slayer stories to come or if you want to get into the old uh, I suggest definitely checking this for as you run out it's nice and short so you're not investing a ton and it'll definitely give you the intro introduction you need to some of the main characters from the stories but I loved it it was a fun way to end it all. Speaking about ending, we're ending a lot of stuff today, aren't we? We have Elvira meets Vincent Price, number five of five. The final one of this story. Elvira and the ghost of Vincent Price averted an ancient Egyptian apocalypse. And like any spirit whose task on earth has been completed... Vincent expected to ascend back where he belonged. But mysteriously, it didn't happen. 
because the fates had other plans and Dynamite wanted me to stretch this thing out for one more issue. David Avalone. This was a wonderful ending to a story. It's like I, it took a long time between four and five, so I could have never got this and would have assumed that the story ended and I just totally forgot about it. But now after reading that, I remember back what happened with the last issue. And this one, we get to see Elvira and Vincent Price put on their inspector glasses, grab their magnifying glass, get all Sherlock homed up and they go after an an entity that they hear about that they realize is the final one that they were looking for. And it just so happens they have to go into some horror stories to deal with this entity along the way. And it's a really fun look at how they deal, deal with it, how they, how they set the story up, how they, how the characters become who they are. I don't want to give it away because it'd ruin a lot of things. But if you like Elvira, I definitely suggest checking out the Elvira meets Vincent Price run, unless you're not a fan of Vincent Price, because he is in all the issues with her. But I love the team up. Kind of teases that there might be another one down the road in the future. I hope so, because I like these two together. They work out well since they're both from that era of the old-timey black-and-white monster movies and all that stuff, so definitely check out Elvira Meets Vincent Price. It's worth it, and it's following right into the next run that we're just starting to see issues for, which I believe is Elvira in Horrorland, so that'll be popping up next. But she's not putting her quitting boots on. She's going to pump out as much as she can while she can. And I don't blame her. And I am very happy for it because I am enjoying the crap out of it. All right. Next up, we got some little monsters. Number one. Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nagayan. This story... Starts us out with an introduction. We get to meet all the characters. And I think most people could look at this group of children and say, yeah, that reminds me of me. And the one that reminds me the most of me, right off the bat, page one, is Romy. It's like, I just, I wandered around and we go on vacation, whatever. I'd go wandering around on my own. Wasn't a big fan of looking for new friends and all that stuff. I just wanted to explore and deal with things. I, I'm surprised I didn't end up on a milk carton. 
But, uh, yeah, this Romy character is just walking around looking for stuff in the post-apocalyptic world. And that's the type of character I was. I just like to go around searching for things, always wanting to find that elusive treasure or something like that. But, yeah, there's a variety of different kids' characters in here. Couple strange twin brothers. Uh, looks like future boyfriend girlfriend uh, hookups here. The annoying little sister-like character. And there's just a variety of characters that we get to meet throughout here, and we find out that we're dealing with, like we knew from the basis of the story, that they're just a bunch of little vampires. And we get to see what they're, what kind of world they're deal, dealing with. And this one is a very light intro, introduction. It's more of an introduction to the characters, the main characters, than anything. We don't really get much of the storyline, where it's going to go, what's going to happen. So, yeah. <clears throat> Basically run off to just getting to meet, no one meet everybody, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but you better kick ass and issue two if you do something like that. So, then the final thing we're going to talk about. Let's see, do I have a starting layout on this at all? I don't think it has a, a little storyline here. I suppose I could check the first issue. But I don't think there is any basis for this story, but we have Pride and Wisdom. It's a X-Men special event, three issues. And basically we get two characters, Pete Wisdom and Kitty Pride. Which apparently they're the heart and soul of Excalibur, which I'm not a huge Excalibur fan, so I know Kitty Pride, but I don't know this other character. Uh, we have Warren Ellis as a writer, Terry Dotson and Carl. And Carl, our story artist, Loresting Martin, Panache, and Simmons, our ink assist, and so on. But we have some dead bodies, some characters that have some interesting inscriptions carved into their flesh or into their bone. And these two characters are on the hunt to try and find out who or what or why this is happening, who's causing it. And we get to meet, like, his dad's kind of a major dick in here. We get to meet him. Uh, he becomes part of the storyline. He's like an ex, uh, 
ex-private eye, ex-cop type. Uh, yeah, not private eye, more, uh, uh, oh, come on, what is it? Serial killer style cop. He used to, sounds like he used to work serial killer style murders. But he's a real dick. <laughs> but, uh, I, I was, it's like this, Kitty Pride has her uh, phasing abilities and stuff, and she can fight, and she's got that police-style feel to her, cop, investigator-style feel to, feel to her. The Pete Wisdom character, he apparently can make, like, knives appear from his fingertips that are as hot as the sun. Uh, I don't know what else he can do <laughs> other than his private eye style abilities. Uh, but I like the two of them. I like the team up of these two characters. Could have dealt with oh, his dad in there. Could have dealt with oh, some of the other characters, but we get to meet his sister in this storyline. We get to meet another interesting gal that they don't get as deep as I would have liked to have with her that's also hunting down the same person that they're hunting. And you just gonna have to read the story to find out more. But it's actually enjoyable. It's a little three-issue run from Marvel Comics, Pride and Wisdom. It's from back in the 90s. Check it out if you're interested. Then one last thing I want to mention... Uh, for future, since we do the Madman a Pod, as long as I keep enjoying it and keep doing it, there's a good chance that down in the future we'll be doing some other uh, storylines outside of the All Reds. One of which I got in the mail yesterday is my Howard the Duck Omnibus by Chip Zdarsky and Joe Queen Owens. This one collects Howard the Duck, 2015A, number 1 to 5, 2015B, number 1 to 11, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, 2015B, number 6, and War of the Realms, War Squirrels, number 1, material from that, but yeah, this means wah. Howard the Duck is back as the Marvel Universe's newest and grouchiest private investigator he'll take on all the most foul cases but just wait till you see the bill along the way he's winning friends and influencing people as only he can from the unbelievable gwenpool to the unbeatable squirrel girl to the unshut upable spider-man but what's a city bird doing rubbing wings with rocket groot and the guardians of the galaxy Feathers fly in fast, furious, and funny adventures from the quack team of Chip Zdarsky and Joe Quinones. It is a beautiful looking book. I love the new cover. And the only downfall is we got Rocket. We got uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. We got Tippy Toe and X2, but we don't have 
I don't see Monkey Joe anywhere. We got Howard and his cat. And this bunch of characters on this cover. I just love it. Uh, so I grabbed it. I got a great deal on it. With my 30, I think 35 or 40% off discount, I got this thing for like 35 bucks. And it's a $60 book. So I was happy. But it'll stay sealed in its plastic until that day that we decide it's time to read us some Howard the Duck. So, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to end this part here. And then we'll get back to you with some health stuff right after this, some MS health stuff. So, we'll be right back. Be good. All right, let's talk some MS health stuff. Let's talk about MS tremors. Let's get into those today. See what they say about them. Tremors experienced by people with multiple sclerosis are often characterized by a shaky voice, a rhythmic shaking affecting the arms and hands, and less commonly the legs, head, and torso. Difficulty holding or controlling a pen, spoon, or other tool or utensil. That's like, I... It's weird when all of a sudden you're just writing and all of a sudden your hand doesn't work anymore. Uh, or you go to pick something up and you can't. And you're just constantly dropping it. Uh, but that's also related to fatigue issues. Uh, I don't necessarily have tremors when that happens. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Uh, they say it doesn't really affect. The legs, head, and torso. I disagree with the torso part because I've had head-to-toe tremors. Uh, worst one lasting about six hours. Uh, worst boat. So I don't agree with that. That it, I mean, it does say less commonly. So yeah. I, it's the full body tremors happen less to me than the rest of the tremors, but yeah, I can see that route. But I mean, it does affect every part of the body. I mean, it's like they say, even the shaky voice. For so many years, I've had so many problems with my speech and my voice that I never really thought about it being related to any type of cognitive issue disease or something like that and then to find out many 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 years later that it's ms related it's like yeah it would have been nice to know earlier so i could have done something about it but let's see here hand tremors can be classified as an intention tremor dystonic tremor or an essential tremor Hand tremors caused by MS may be mistaken for Parkinson's disease tremors. A person with MS may experience a hand tremor when reaching for something. Hand tremors can occur at rest as well. And yeah, it's like it, whether you're doing something physical or doing nothing at all, it, these things can just pop up and happen. 
Uh, it doesn't have to have something that sets it off or anything like that. Tremors from MS may look like shaking, trembling, jerking, or twitching. An intention tremor will cause unwanted movement in the affected limb when a person is using it, such as reaching for a cup. A postural tremor will cause unwanted movement when a person is maintaining a certain posture, such as when sitting. For people with MS, tremors are usually caused by brain lesions, specifically in the cerebellum and damaged areas called plaques along the nerve pathways that are involved with coordinating movement. It's like I'm trying to, I finally got all, I think I got, well, all stuff from 2000 on. I really wish I could get the stuff from the, 70s to the present but uh i at least got as far back as 2000 with all my tests and everything and i have everything available to me now where i can just go on and look at them and if i ever do figure out a youtube channel layout that i want to do uh i will show some of my brain scans and ct scans and all that stuff in those also and Maybe do a bonus for Patreon thing where I can show you my whole colonoscopy and you can go through my intestinal tube with me <laughs> as we talk about it. Who knows? Something fun to think about in the future. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now that I got this, I can map everything out and figure out exactly where all my lesions are based and what parts of the brain and spine and central nervous system so I can kind of figure out why they're affecting me the way they are. It's something that I just want to know more about. Uh, the same plaques sometimes also result in other symptoms such as dysphagia, which is difficulty swallowing, or dysarthria. Sarthria, which is difficulty speaking, which I have all the time. I just cannot speak. <laughs> Although I've gotten way better because of my podcast. It's helped out a ton. I mean, I was way, way worse before the podcast. You can hear it throughout the years, just listening to episodes. I mean, we're still back around episode 100 right now, re-listening everything when the wife goes to sleep, so... Tremors can get worse over time and be more difficult to manage. If a person's already has poor eyesight or numbness in the body, a person with MS may trigger tremors with caffeine or anxiety. Uh, a person with MS may experience an increase in, an, in the intensity of their tremors after vigorous exercise. However, muscle tremors after exercising are common for people who do not have MS. Uh, muscle shaking after exercise can occur due to muscle fatigue, low blood sugar, or dehydration. A person with MS may experience more tremors at night if they have a resting tremor. This type of tremor occurs most often when a person is sitting still versus moving. However, resting tremors are more common in Parkinson's disease than MS. My tremors are more resting 
tremor related uh, as far as the whole full body and the midsection and all that. Uh, as far as I can tell just from reading this stuff, my hand tremor my are more when I'm working with tools and stuff like that or doing something with my hands i'll get more of the hand tremor which actually we'll find out here what there are two primary types of tremors a resting and an action well that makes sense action would be what i'm just explaining now probably and resting is what i have the most of resting tremors occur when there is shaking even when a body part is at rest for example a person may be sitting comfortably with their hands resting in their lap, but their fingers shake. Uh, action tremor occurs when a muscle is being voluntarily moved. For example, a person may be reaching to pick up a glass of water, or their hands and their hand starts to shake. There are a number of subclassifications of action tremors, including intention tremor, which are associated with physical movement. There is no shaking when a person is at rest, but a tremor develops and becomes more pronounced as they uh, attempt to make a precise movement, such as shifting a foot or hand to a specific spot. And postural tremor, these are associated with moving or supporting against gravity, such as a tremor that develops while standing or sitting, but not while lying down, and nystigmus. These tremors are associated with jumpy eye movements. For people with MS, the most common forms of tremors are intention tremor and postural tremor. I got all three of those that they just said. I got every one that they said. <laughs> but I am also secondary progressive. So, But yeah, the eye one, jumpy eye movements, those happen a lot. It's been... It's actually been probably about, I'd say last fall, maybe last summer, fall was the last time I had the islands. I'm guessing heat might set it off a little bit more, but I could be wrong. Currently, there's no cure for tremors, but there are ways for people with MS to reduce their occurrence and improve function. And there's no cure for MS. There's no cure for all our freaking side effects. And there's no, all it is is more freaking medications to help us manage the shit. And we don't even know if it's working. I had this new thing now where I'm putting these drops in my ear before my podcast to try and stop this amplified reverberation shit going on through my ears when I talk or other people talk. And it's like being stabbed in the earlobe, eardrum over and over as noises are hitting it. And uh, so she gave me these eardrops to numb my eardrum. And I tried that. So far I'm over like six. I tried it for my podcast, the weekend podcast, uh, when I went out and about, still had the stuff happen every time. So, uh, I don't know what else I'm going to do. More than likely, I'm just going to live with it because 
one of the next i think there might be one other type of drop to try or some type of numbing effect to try but she says other than that we can go in and cut the nerves and then i won't have to worry about feeling anything there anymore so eventually i'll be like dark man but between that my urologist issues that might have some nerve cutting my spasticity issues that might end up with some nerve cutting it's like i got like four types of issues that in the future they're talking about cutting nerves so i could be a dark man by the end of all this shit which would be fine because i won't feel nothing because i won't be able to feel anything through my nerve way but uh, yeah if you want to try and treat your tremors you can try lifestyle changes like avoiding stress, getting enough sleep, avoiding caffeinated drinks. But I've been off coffee now, which I miss. I did try it today because it's been a long time. It's been a few months. Figure try it out, see if it still tastes like shit and sure as shit. First sip, I started getting nauseous, pukey feeling, and just tasted like crap. So I'm pretty much off caffeine probably for the rest of my life kind of sucks because I did enjoy coffee. I do enjoy tea, but can't drink them anymore for some reason. Just have a feeling that I had COVID and just fucked up my taste buds. Uh, physical and occupational therapists can help people with MS control tremors by teaching exercises for coordination and balance, recommending stabilizing braces in certain cases demonstrating how to use weights to compensate for tremors, teaching new, new ways of performing daily activities that MS tremors might make challenging. Uh, they, there is medications like beta blockers, such as propanolol, which is Inderol. There's anti-anxiety medications such as buspirone, which is buspar and clonazepam, which is clonopin. There's anticonvulsive drugs such as primidone, which is mycelene. There's anti-tuberculosis medications such as azoniazid, which I've been mentioning that one to me in the past by a doctor. can't remember if it was my neurologist or my PCP that mentioned that. Antihistamines also were mentioned to me, such as hydroxine, hydrochlorine, Adirac, which is Adirax, hydroxazine, pomoate, which is Vistaril. And there's diuretics, such as acetazolamide, which is Diamox. Then if you want to try natural renapes, <laughs> Natural remedies. I almost X'd out of my podcast thing there for a second. Uh, some natural remedies you can try is cannabis sativa, marijuana, <laughs> ginkgo biloba, saffron extract, which I'm still still haven't got. I want to try that out for some other things too. St. John's wort, curcumin, ginger. Evening primrose oil, valerian, which is like valerian root, kava, 
which I believe is a tea we talked about, and green tea. These natural remedies for MS may help with symptoms such as inflammation, anxiety, difficulty with sleep and pain, and also with your tremor issues. Uh, Botox injections can be used to temporarily smooth facial lines and significantly improve arm tremors in people with MS. There is surgery. There's two types. There's thama or thalamotomy is a surgery that destroys a part of the thalamus, a structure in the brain that helps control movements. So all of a sudden I can't move anymore. <laughs> so just what I want. And there's deep brain stimulation implants, where they implant a tiny electrode into the thalamus. The electrode is then attached to a wire that connects to a device under the skin in the chest area. The device delivers small electrical impulses to the thalamus. But I don't know if I could handle that, and I don't want it surgically implanted into me, and then all of a sudden I realize I can't handle it. But check with your doctor. See, Let them know what kind of tremors you deal with and what, you're, what you've had in the past, and they can give you their suggestions and talk to you about the different types of things and see if any of them help you out. Uh, let's talk about nail health. Some fingernail signs. What's causing your nails to change textures? Uh, you ever looked at a chipped, brittle, or black line nail and wonder why it looks that way? Well, it turns out that nail health is closely associated with how well your body is functioning in other areas. If you got rough splitting nails that may also crack easily are one of the most commonly reported nail problems. Uh, officially called onyxchoschizia, brittle nails are usually caused by repeated wetting and drying of your fingernails. So you should use gloves when getting your hands wet, such as when doing dishes. So if you work in a restaurant, you could be dealing with this problem. Uh, in some cases, brittle nails might also be a sign of hypothyroidism or iron deficiency. Uh, a fix you could try is applying lotions that contain alpha hydroxy acids or lanolin or wearing gloves while washing dishes or doing other water heavy tasks. Uh, Soft or weak nails, these nails break easily or bend before snapping. I've had moments where my nails were like that, but then they thankfully strengthened back up. Uh, soft nails might be caused by overexposure to moisture or chemicals. Think detergents, cleaning fluids, nail treatments, and nail polish remover. Weak nails might also be associated with a defi deficiency in B vitamins, calcium, iron, and fatty acids. A uh, little fix you could try is avoid having chemicals around your nails. 
throw a natural to give your nails a chance to recover. Uh, this person, Norris person, advises against iron supplements unless you know you're deficient. Instead, start taking a multivitamin that includes calcium and B vitamins. <clears throat> and a lot of people start taking iron supplements after they were told stuff on TV and stuff and online. And then we realize, us MSers, that many of us don't need the iron supplements. So definitely check your numbers and stuff before you just start taking things. Peeling nails. This is likely caused by external trauma to the nail itself. By using your nail as a tool, pressing into the nail too firmly, or removing acrylic nail polish. Nails can also peel if you soak your hands too long in sudsy water. Uh, fixed to... You can try is if you think it's internal, trying to add iron-rich foods to your diet. Or if the cause is external, keep your nails moisturized by applying lotion after any activity that might dry them out. Always check with your doctor and see if, let them know what you're dealing with. Ridges on your nails. Have you ever noticed ridges that look like little horizontal or vertical waves on your fingernails? Yep, I've noticed those before. Vertical ridges generally appear later in life and run from the tip of your fingernail to the cuticle. As long as they aren't accompanied by other symptoms such as changes in color, there usually aren't a cause for concern. Horizontal ridges, also called views lines, may be a sign of kidney disease or another underlying condition, so let your doctor know. Fix for it would be for vertical ridges. You can gently buff the surfaces of your nail to smooth them. For horizontal lines, see a healthcare professional to find the underlying cause. Mine were verticals. Uh, nails changing colors, like yellow nails, are relatively common and usually caused by one or two factors, an infection or a reaction from a product you've been using, such as nail polish. In rare cases, yellow might be a sign of a larger issue, including thyroid conditions, psoriasis, or diabetes. A fix for it could be your new nails should grow in clear again, but there are many natural treatments, such as tea tree oil or vitamin E to help tackle infections. A multivitamin might also help with this. Talk with a healthcare professional if you don't notice improvement after a few weeks. Black lines, also called a splinter hemorrhage. Black lines, which can appear brown or dark red, look like splinters. They can also appear multiple times. The most likely cause is a trauma to your nail, such as accidentally slamming a door on your finger or smashing your hammer against your nail. In rare cases, the lines could be a sign of underlying issue, including psoriasis, endocarditis, or nail melanoma. A fix for it could be the lines should disappear over time as your nail grows if they're due to an injury. But if you don't notice any change over a few weeks, talk with your healthcare professional.
especially if you notice any other symptoms like inflamed skin, night sweats, or bleeding in the nail. White spots, scattered white spots on the nails, which usually start appearing around middle school age, can signify a zinc deficiency. I didn't have, I don't remember having these, but I remember seeing them on people. Uh, an allergic reaction, a fungal infection, or an injury to your nail. The fix would be to give your nails a break from polish or other products and allow the nail to grow. If the spots remain or reappear, talk with a healthcare professional about it. Uh, no half moons at the base of your nail. Most of the time this means nothing. And they could just be hidden under your skin. If they seem to have disappeared, it could be a sign of malnutrition, depression, or anemia. The fix is usually not having half moons isn't anything to be concerned about. But you'll want to talk with your healthcare professional if they start turning red or disappear after being visible for some time. Uh, let's see, nail health chart. Brittle nails, the common cause is frequent wetting and drying. Oh, we went over all these, yeah. So we don't need to go through those again. Uh, it's best to talk with a healthcare professional if the changes in your nails are accompanied by fatigue, weight loss, weakness, inflamed skin, excessive thirst, night sweats, swelling, heart palpitations, dizziness, and symptoms of depression. You also want to talk to your healthcare professional if you notice horizontal lines. Uh, you can eat a variety of whole fruits, fruits and vegetables, whole grains. will usually get you all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your nails need. You can also take a multivitamin. Uh, you can also try biotin or horsetail supplements. If you do go the biotin route, they advise to discontinue use at Use two weeks prior to having any lab work done since it may interfere with your results. Basically, if, you're if your nails are acting up on their own without any additional symptoms, it's usually not a cause for concern. But if you notice any other unexplained symptoms, consider talking with a healthcare professional about potential causes. Most underlying causes of nail issues are easy to treat once they're identified. Uh, there's some things to look out for. It's nice having a little, like, you can look at your nails and say, hey, maybe something's wrong. Or you can look at your eyes in the mirror and you can see something and say, hey, maybe I should have something checked out and ask a doctor about this. You never know. But uh, that's it for health stuff today. We've talked about plenty of stuff. I think we'll... End this out with another Kelvin and Hobbes little story run. Yeah, Hobbes coming up to Kelvin who's sitting at his desk.
Kelvin says, I'm writing a fundraising letter. The secret to getting donations is to de depict everyone who disagrees with you as the enemy. Then you explain how they're systematically working to destroy everything you hold dear. It's a war of values. Rational discussion is hopeless. Compromise is unthinkable. Our only hope is well-funded antagonism. So we need your money to keep up the fight. Hobbes says, how cynically unconstructive. And Kelvin says, An animity sells. Next set of panels we got Kelvin sitting in his little happy, happiness 10 cent box. Hobbs walks up, says, what do you give people for their 10 cents? A water balloon right in the kisser. You take their money and then soak them with a water balloon? Right. Whose happiness are we talking about? Who went to all this trouble, Kelvin says, as he's looking at his box. It's, <laughs> it's for Kelvin's happiness, of course. All right, final one. We got Kelvin's Mai at the meat man's counter. I ordered the two tons of tenderloin. Oh, yes. Drive around to the loading dock, and I'll get the forklift. And you see your car driving off with this giant wrapped thing of meat on top of their car. And she goes walking into the house with her chainsaw and her apron on. Kelvin, lunchtime. <laughs> And then you see this giant dinosaur. Mayonnaise. I like mustard. <laughs> His mom says to him, maybe you should fix your own Triceratops sandwich. <laughs> Kelvin thinks he's a dinosaur today. All right. We're going to end it there. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Keep shedding the monster. Don't let the MS annoy you. Don't let it exasperate. Don't let it awaken. Don't let it bug us, irritate us, piss us off. Uh, be good to everybody around you. Check out Crimson Color Comic Club. Check out Under the Cull. Got audio, video, old video. I wish we had new video. Hopefully someday soon with one of my podcasts. But other than that, be good to yourselves. We'll get back to you again sometime soon.